You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Do you know your Bible enough to know that the book of Revelation chapter 17 and 18 says that during the tribulation period, there will be government mingled with religion. There'll be a one world government and a one world religious system. Did you know that? You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. When you look up, by the way, in the Gospels, and for that matter, in the New Testament, there are three prevailing Greek words used for our English word watch. And the first usage of the word means to keep awake, to be watch or watchful, literally, or in a figurative sense, is to be in the state of vigilance. Every believer is to be in a mindset of being vigilant, to being watchful, alert, to keep watch. The Bible tells that of us. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ today, you know, reading your Bible, that God's word commands us to be watchful. And I might submit to you, that's not an easy thing to do. It's hard. The second word used in the Greek language, again, only one in English because our language is so lackluster compared to the Greek or Hebrew. The second meaning used by Jesus and the apostles is the word to set a guard or to set, as it were, a military security post. It means to continue watching, to be on guard or like a guardian, to keep your eyes open. And I love this. And to keep your eyes on the horizon. The Christian is to be somebody walking and living in this world that has their eyes on the horizon. Imagine that for a moment. Think of that. Place yourself in a moment in that thought that as a believer, in school, at work, in this world, at home, whatever we're doing, we are to have the end in sight, and the end will appear, as it were, on the horizon. It's from the point of the horizon that an enemy or a friend comes. It's on the horizon. Jesus said, I'm coming back. And in the great second coming, when he returns to earth to stay, he says, I'm going to come like lightning flashes out of the east under the west. Incredible. 
And then the third word means to be uh, sleepless. That doesn't mean you never go to sleep. It means that your soul, your spirit is so primed and so loaded with Bible that you're walking, listen, you're walking with God, you're understanding the days and the age in which you and I live in. We're discerning the times and the seasons. You know, the Bible tells us to do that, everybody. That as a Christian, the Bible says we are to be discerning the times and the seasons. And I just want to ask you, there's no need to answer out loud. When you look around the world and you discern the times and the seasons, you come to the conclusion that there is that shaking, tremor, as it were, that's in the globe today. And there's a reason for that, an important reason. All of it can be summed up with three words, always be waiting, waiting. When you're waiting, you're watching. When you're waiting, you're scanning the horizon. Think about it, when you're waiting, imagine yourself on the street corner waiting to be picked up by somebody who's promised to come. You're looking down the street, are you not? You're listening, you're watching. And the Bible says that regarding the believer, that's how we should be living our lives. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. You you say, I thought he died for everybody. Oh, he did die for everybody, but not everybody takes advantage of it. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin for salvation. The term apart from sin for salvation means that when he comes to address whoever these people are who are eagerly waiting for him, sin's not the issue. That's already been taken care of at his death. Are you with me? He's coming back for those who are eagerly waiting for him. And my question is, are you eagerly waiting for him? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Philippians 3, 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see how this should mark us, that we're waiting and watching, we're eager, we can't wait for Christ to return? Listen, check your heart, take your pulse. If the thought of Jesus coming today for you bothers you, scares you, that's the Spirit of God telling you you're not ready, you need to get ready. And I want to make something very clear. You see, Pastor, what if a Christian is not ready when he comes? Does he not get raptured? No, he gets raptured. The Bible says this, that if somebody's not ready when he comes, they will be ashamed of themselves at his appearing. Can you imagine going up, covering your face? Oh boy, oh, is it? It's like getting sent to the principal's office. No, you want to be excited about his coming. You want to live your life as though it'll be back today. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse one, begins by saying, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you'll have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. If you stop right there, people will say, I don't study this stuff because he's going to come like a thief in the night. Maybe for you, not for me. See, that's arrogant. No, it's not, because I read verse four. Keep down, look down, keep going. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You know when people, you know, Jesus isn't coming back. We don't know. Don't worry about it. Watch out for those people. The Bible said you'd bump into people like that in the last days. Where is the promise of his coming? The Bible says they're going to say. So having set that up, people, 
We want to look at some things that are going on in our world today. When you see these things, number one, regarding a one world global government. But boy, church, listen up. If you start listening and reading to these globalists speaking, and this is the season for globalists to be speaking, they've got their G20 gatherings, they've got their World Economic Forum gatherings. Okay, we've got the Pope now meeting with people up at Mount Sinai to create a new Ten Commandments. <laughs> and he's calling the world to repent and ask for forgiveness of the earth for how we've treated her. We have to have this. Are you kidding me? And all of these world leaders have come together to meet up to, have, to ask the earth to forgive us for drinking Pepsi out of plastic or whatever. What in the world is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Whatever's happening, there's a global push in all of these various areas. And so I want to show you a few things. Number one, Pope calls for global unity ahead of Grand Imam uh, meeting in Bahrain. Now, the, imam, the Grand Imam is the leader of that particular Islamic uh, division of Islam. Islam, uh, the House of Islam is divided into two factions. And this particular Imam will meet up with the Pope and they're calling for global unity. Global unity. And how are you, how are you going to get people with, with different religious beliefs to unify? Create a topic that they can all relate to. Whatever you do, don't get into religion because we'll kill each other. John Kerry spills the beans at UN's COP27 meeting. They want to replace capitalism with a new economic system. There's a call in the world for a one world global government and it's intermingled with faith. And I want to ask you, do you know your Bible enough to know that the book of Revelation chapter 17 and 18 says that during the tribulation period, there will be government mingled with religion. There'll be a one world government and a one world religious system. Did you know that? I'm old enough to be so radically impressed by all of this because when I was a young believer, none of this stuff was going on. And now it's national or international news. And then somebody popped up at the G20. Do you guys know what the G20 is? It was this last week, G20. The, tw the t 20 big nations that influence the world. Basically the G20 is a bunch of leaders from those nations getting together to figure out how to control you, take your money and make sure you're really happy about being broke. Well, they all have your money. And then somebody shows up who's not even an, a national member. He's not a national leader. Now, you've got to turn up the volume, guys, because I don't know. On stage, I can't hear the guy. I'm, it's, he's hard to understand. Listen, listen to this. If you look at all the challenges, we can speak about the multi-crisis. Multi-crisis. Economic, a political, a social, an ecological, an institutional crisis. But actually, what we have to confront is a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world. To fix everything, we must have a restructuring of our world. For those of you who know history and Bible prophecy, listen. The Babylonian Empire is recorded in the Bible as being the most powerful, single, despotic-led empire of all time under Nebuchadnezzar. Anybody know who defeated the Babylonian empire? 
The, the Medes and the Persians defeated the Babylonians. By the way, that's written in the book of Daniel before it ever happened. Do you guys know who defeated the Medes and the Persians? His, his, his dad's name was Philip. Alexander the Great. The Greeks. Who defeated the Greeks? Anybody know? The Romans. Who defeated the Romans? Oh, listen to that. Perfect answer. None of you know. Good for you. You can't know. Rome was never defeated. It got so big and so powerful that it broke into two flanks, the east and the west, and then it just dissolved over time. No one ever defeated Rome. That's why the Bible says in the last days, out of the two flanks of Daniel's great image of statue of the world empires, Nebuchadnezzar's the head, the Medo-Persian empire, Alexander the Great in the Greeks, and the Roman Empire, east and west, it says that in the last days when Christ returns to earth, it says there'll be the existence of two feet with ten toes. And the ten toes represent ten kings. And out of the ten kings, the Bible says, listen, it sounds crazy, ten kings, there'll be one that will arise out of the midst of them, which is the eleventh. And the 11th one will put down three of them and he will take over all of them. And the Bible addresses him as the idle shepherd, the son of perdition. You know him as the Antichrist or Mr. 666. It's never happened before. We're waiting, so to speak, for the toes to pop up. Just know this, that at this time, and in for most of our lives, for many of us, there has been an attempt to establish originally the U.S.E. The United States of Europe was their initial statement, and they drafted a, a constitution. It was horrific. It was stupid. They all said, you know what, we can have a constitution like America, but we have to leave God out. So they did, and it didn't work. Then they, then they decided, we have to have our own currency. Remember that? Many of us remember that the Germans had the... Uh, Deutschmark, and then the, the, now the British, they went back to the pound, or they, I guess the British never went to the euro, did they? They stayed at it, because they're smarter than the average bear. But the European Union's fallen apart. It's not a union. It's a mess. See, why do you bring that up? Because the, Ro the Roman Empire was based in all of Europe. And the Bible says there's going to be a reconstitution of that ancient empire in the last days. And the book of Daniel says that in the last days of the kings that rule that empire, Christ will return. And it gets pretty graphic. It says that he will come as a mountain coming out of the heavens and strikes the image in its feet and crumbles it in all of its pieces. And of his kingdom and of his rule on earth, there will be no end. Next thing, it's the clergy hold a multi-faith climate repentance ceremony as UN summit wraps up in Egypt. Quote, the pyramids were lit up to welcome world leaders to the UN climate summit in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, in what almost looked like an end of the world trade show. Sponsored by Coca-Cola and other big corporations, the COP27 began as all other climate summits with the dire warning that life on earth would end if climate change isn't stopped. 
The clock is ticking, warned UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Quote, we are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions keep growing. Global temperatures keep rising. We're on a highway to climate hell, he said, with our foot still on the accelerator. Why is the climate argument divided? Why is that camp divided up so much? Listen, if it's such a big deal, why aren't all scientists who study data on the same page? I want to just lay that out to you because the young people right now are saying, I can't, can't, I can't believe he's saying that. Will somebody arrest him quick, please? <laughs> no, no, simple question. Global scientists who study meteorology and history, why aren't they on the same page? The, the camp is divided into two camps. Why? I just, why? Think about it. Why is man all of a sudden capitalizing on his ancient history that it's really easy to control people if you can create a crisis? And it's easy to do that if there's no God in the picture. Mark R. Benhoff said at this last G20 meeting, every country needs a minister of the future. What in the world does that mean? I tell you why I don't like that kind of talk, but yet it's biblically accurate, is way, way back. I'm going to be off, but please search it. Way back, Belgium Prime Minister um, Henry Spack, said, we are in a leadership crisis at the EU or the League of Nations. We're in a leadership crisis and we need a leader, he said. Be it a devil from hell or an angel from heaven, we need a leader. Well, he's, his prayer's about to be answered. These days, the Bible spoke about another quote from John Green, economic growth doesn't mean anything unless it's inclusive Growth. Do you know what that means, anybody? Socialism. You, do you know how to think, yeah? Critical thinking. What's he saying? Oneness. When man talks about oneness, only God can do oneness. When man talks about oneness, the guy that's usually talking about it is the guy that's wanting to be number one in the oneness. <laughs> but they're creating something. But not really, if you know your Bible. It's already dawned on you. These people are talking about Romans chapter one. That in the last days, man will depart from worshiping God and will worship nature, creation, creeping things on earth, four-footed things, and man. And you see, when you divorce God from your thinking, man becomes the one who calls the shots. And man will eventually seek to deify himself. The Bible says that this one leader that will take possession of Europe and then use it as a base to attempt to take over the world will draw up a peace treaty with Israel for seven years. And the Bible says in the middle of the seven years, on the 1260th day, he will break that agreement with Israel when he stands in the temple in Jerusalem and declares himself to be God. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in that place, come down from your housetop and run. There's a political leader that's coming and he's gonna be amazing. Notice again how the world is leaderless today. 
I'm not saying it's happening next week. I'm not saying it's happening this year or next year. I'm just saying that all of these things that we're just taking pieces of, the Bible has anticipated. That should cause us to sit up and take notice. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected. Free.